On today's episode of Torah and Sports, Rabbi Leif is going to be sharing with us incredible stories on sports. Gedole Yisrael, who played sports, a from Jew who won a poker tournament and gave all his winnings to tzedakah. The time Rabbi Leif beat an NBA player in a one-on-one basketball game and so much more. I'm Yisrael Yudkowski. You are listening to Torah and Sports with Rabbi Leif. Torah and Sports, episode number two. And uh, who knows, maybe we even have an episode number three. I don't know. We'll see where this leads towards us. And I was just thinking number one is, first of all, just to you know, kind of recap a little bit of some of the thoughts we had last week, uh, last, the last episode, um, and uh, some of the guidelines, uh, which I felt were important. And what we, I think that the, the headlines was, Torah governing sports. That's really what it comes down to. You know, if you want to really take the sound bite out of it, you know, how does Torah govern sports and how do we live in a world where Torah, where sports is really such a strong attraction and it's um, captivating and it's entertaining and it's, and it's part of kids' lives. Um, and I as, a, I, as a kid, I as a child grew up um, in the United States of America. And the truth is, even though we're, we're speaking about American sports, but really this discussion is really for sports world over soccer and cricket and rugby. And, and whenever I meet people from different uh, places and you see how much, you know, from people, you know, they have a, they have like um, an attraction to, um, to sports and they like to discuss it and they're part of it and they're, and they play it. So it's really something that's there. And the question just is, you know, how do we address it? And, and what's the Torah Shkafa about it? So we'll try this. Uh, we'll try to bring in some current events. I just, you know, had a discussion this week with a, a Talmud of of mine who and um, was very sports minded, and he was telling me about how the YU basketball team, YU Maccabees, has become like a, a an undefeated team, and they're really like, you know, it's like an unbelievable change. Like it seems the YU basketball team for many many years really wasn't considered, uh, you know, uh, um, in the running of the sports um, league. And all of a sudden now they become like this, you know, I can't say superpower, but within their conference. They're being they're, noticed. They're being noticed and they have like an un, unbeaten streak and everything else. And they have all good Jewish players. And it's it's really, it's a pattern. It's all, it's targets all Jewish players? It's all, it's, I think it's all Jewish players. And wow. they get like the best Jewish players from across the country. And, the, and this time I was speaking about how, you know, really it's become... You know, it's, it's a matter of Jewish pride. You know, I mean, look, we have a great team also. And so, you know, on one hand, Jewish pride is a good thing. And on the other hand, is this really something that does the Torah value it? So I think that's a, you know, it's an honest discussion we should have. And, um, you know, you may want to give a shout out to the to the YU basketball team. There should be Matzliach. And especially if it's done, and that was one of the things that we meant, that he mentioned, is that one of the aspects of is that then you see their, for lack of a better term, their midos on the on the basketball court. You know, it seems that they're always very, very. You know, even though when you're when you're down in the trenches, you know what I mean. You know, you're you're pushing and you're trying to you know box out and everything else, but it seems they're very um, they're kind. You know, they're good in the end of the day, and people notice that that you know they're not just you know they don't. The way they, their languages, you know, they use language like other people use, like, you know, the way regular non-Jewish 
players use, whether they use it in a finer, more refined manner. So you see that you can have sports and you can have also Kiddush Hashem, which is such a, a great thing. So that's maybe a positive aspect of, of Torah and sports, which we should you know point out. And we know the battle of Hanukkah was the battle of the of Yehuda Maccabi against um, against the Yavonim. And the Yavonim were all about physical and power and strength. And Yehuda Maccabi was who was like you, Hakadosh Baruch That's what Maccabi really stands for. Um, and um, in the modern day Maccabi, you know, there's a basketball team, Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is very, very famous, and they won uh, the championships in Europe. And I remember many, many years ago there was a game where they played, they played against a Moscow team, Cheska Moscow. And Israel, you know, most of the players, I can't say were Jewish, but there were some Jewish players and everything else. And they won the championship. It was the first time that Israel won, going back many, many years. <clears throat> and it was like, I think it was maybe during Hanukkah, maybe it was during Hanukkah, like that. they said, Neskadol oh, Hayasham, we won. It was, was like beyond, beyond, you know, the, the Russians had like, like seven feet guys, you know what I mean? And Maccabi Tel Aviv had, you know, Good Jewish players in, in, in respect to the to the Russian players, <clears throat> and somehow they won. And I remember the the uh, coach he put on a yarmulke afterwards, and he was saying making a making a bracha. So it's interesting how we relate to this, you know, to the to the the story of of Hanukkah, and also happens to be that today, again, everything is min hashemayim. Today is in America Thanksgiving, you know, which is a big uh, national holiday in the United States of America. And in sports, there's a, always a football game and there's a parade. I was speaking to my mother, and she said that, you know, uh, uh, it's a shyla, but, you know, in our home, when we grew up um, eating a turkey, having it, we didn't have a, we didn't, my mother didn't make a turkey dinner for the Thanksgiving. It was one year, I said last week, that my father was a handball champion and he, he won the first prize of a, of a championship. The first prize was a, was a turkey. A big, gigantic turkey. So my father took it to the shaykhit, and the shaykhit, he shechted it, and then we brought it home. My mother made a turkey dinner. It was like the first time we had a turkey dinner, because we had a turkey, kosher turkey. And I remember, like, we had, literally for the next month, we had turkey soup, and we had turkey cold cuts. So we, the turkey was coming out of our ears and out of our stomach, but... My mother said that when she grew up, that her father, my great grand, my grandfather, Rabbi Shol Dreben, used to take it to the to the to the parade, and he used to he used to put up a flag by uh, July Fourth. He was a very from Yid, and he used to say that we have to have a Kar Satov, United States of America, and you have to you know. So, see, this has always been an issue, and I noticed a Shaila. Some people saw that Thanksgiving is Mamish Chukas Goyim, and you can't have any Shaychas. Rav Moshe Feinstein Paskind. In the in the um, in the Igus Moshe, that no, it's not considered a religious holiday. It's and it thinks it's Thanksgiving, and it's really like just the the foundation of the United States of America and the pilgrims, and they had Thanksgiving. The Rav Moshe holds it's a Dover Rishus, and you're allowed to have a Thanksgiving dinner. It's not an official Christian holiday. That's it's right. Not from that's the right. religion. That's it's an American that's, that's holiday. And there are other people that say not like that. So, but I could just tell you is that it's definitely part of the culture in America, and there are many, many from people that are going to go out, they're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner. Everyone will ask the local Orthodox Rabbi what they should do, mm -hmm. but 
we see that again, this has to do with really the overall picture of it is that how do we take a look at the, how we fit in with the world at large? I think also uh, Thanksgiving is different than other holidays. Is also like, what is the holiday celebrating? You know, have Christmas, Halloween. It's all different, like the you know Christian stuff and like stuff that we don't believe in. But Thanksgiving is a holiday based on you know giving thanks. You know, it's called Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, really which is a beautiful thing. So mm-hmm. you know, it's sure. probably also like another thing where it's not you know why it would be okay mm-hmm. to participate mm-hmm. in it. You know, right. r- rather than other uh, right. Right. holidays. Right. So then someone pointed out to me, just I just heard this, uh, that th- there's something called the World Series of Poker. Now, um, and it seems that there's a from modern Orthodox Jew who either won the top prize or one of the top prizes. He definitely was in the top, top tier, and he's, he's a from Jew. Um, I think his name is Disseldorf. It could be I'm making, making a mistake. Okay, everyone should check up on it. But he's a film, I don't think he's a shul goer. And, he, and he's very interesting. He won, if I'm not mistaken, $200,000. And he himself takes all of his proceedings and he do, do, donates it for charity. From things, he gives to NCSY, other things, other other causes and this and that. He's a very interesting person, supposedly. If he loses in a poker game, does he go to Kubushal Tzedakah <laughs> to ask for money? <laughs> that would be a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good shot. Last time I won, I gave you the Tzedakah. Now I lost, so you got to give it back. <laughs> so it's interesting. So you have, you know, without getting into poker, is a whole different shayla. Is it considered Masachik B'Kuvya? Not considered Masachik B'Kuvya? Again, I'm not going to get into the over to the to the halach over here. You see, you have a from Jew today, and he makes a kiddush Hashem of it. He takes the money and he gives it, gives it for tzedakah, gives it to Aaron, and that's what he. That's the, that's his thing. It seems he's 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 independently able to make money for his family and everything else, and he does this as a game, and to him it's almost like a sport, so to speak, and um, and he's very very adamant about that. The the money goes. So, Chal, you see, even in such a case, it's not because he's not really doing it for profit. Um, but I'm not here to go to discuss I'm here more to show again. There's a world out there. There's ESPN. There's you know, the bright lights. There's how we somehow are part of the society. And at the same time, how do we make sure that it doesn't affect and it doesn't necessarily... Yeah, like also the, the soul of the Torah and sports, like we mentioned last week, and also now it's we're not talking about if you could, if you can, what you should, what you shouldn't. We're just talking after the fact, like when you're doing it, how you should do it. That's it. How yeah. much you should do it, and what it. way should you do it. That's it. So first of all, I want to say there were some stories about some great, great rabbis, some of them related to myself, some of them on their own. Uh, the story which is in my book, is that when I was uh, went away to yeshiva, I was very, very much enamored with basketball. And, you know, I was a pretty good basketball player and um, even have a story which maybe we'll count later where I played an NBA player and I even beat him in a game. No, we need that now. Right? Yeah, we, need, not, we need that now. We okay. need it now. You saw, yeah. you saw that like, okay, so this is a story which is my bragging rights and I do it with... Um, with all due humility, <laughs> but again, as a young, as a young uh, yeshiva basketball player, and I played in the yeshiva teams in the mountains, and as a young boy, I played in leagues, uh, Jewish leagues, 
And I played in the parks in New York against all the best players. And uh, even I was short, but I was then a lot skinnier than I am now. And I was uh, and I was a pretty good basketball player. Pretty, you know, I had a reputation and everything else. And it happened to be that the forebearers of the Washington Bullets were called the Baltimore Bullets. Uh, that was they started as a team in Baltimore. They um, used to practice uh, and scrimmage in the Jewish community center, JCC of Baltimore, which is a place where. All of us who grew up in Baltimore, we all went there and we played in the basketball courts. And I, that's where my father played in the handball champion. There was a swimming pool. And, and, the, and, the, and the Bullets would come and play. The Bullets were NBA players. So it had to be one summer. The Bullets were playing uh, where it was scrimmaging. And a group of my friends and I were there, you know, watching the game and everything else. And there was a famous, there was a player at the time that played for the Bulls. His name was Mike Reardon. Mike Reardon was uh, an Irishman. He played for the New York Knicks. He played for the for the for the Baltimore Bullets. At one point, he was considered like the Iron Man, the Six Man. He was like a good guy. He was a solid, solid big player. He was uh, played in the NBA. He played in the He played in the He played in the That was it. And uh, it happened to be there were a few times where I was asked to even like when they would start scrimmaging and the coach would come out. He didn't have ten men. He say, "Okay, you go in." I would sometimes run up and down. I would. Get a basket and I get a basket. So I was used to like being part of the. the this NBA. is like their official where they used to practice. This was they used to, this was they used to practice. They didn't have their own practice facility. They used to practice in the JCC. Anyway, so one day Mike Reardon is playing one on one against a young rookie. Mike Reardon was a veteran, and this young rookie was like taking him apart. Yeah, he just. So we're saying, ah, Mike, you know, we use all that. Mike, he's beating you. He's killing you. And this and that. Now, he had a real temper. So at a certain point, he, and this guy was almost killing him. So all of a sudden, he turned to me and said, who said that? So it was me. So I said, I said it. You know, I said, you know, who said that? So just, you come on the court. You play me. I said, sure, no problem. You know what I mean? So I took up the challenge. And he gave me the ball. He didn't, I guess he didn't know how I played. And... um and I faked a jump shot. I went around him. He went up for the shot. I went around. I got a layup. I'm ahead one to nothing. I get the ball back. Now, he's not too happy with this. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's like the same thing's happening. And then I take the ball instead of, and now he's afraid maybe I'm going to make a, a layup around him. So he didn't go for the fake. And I shot the ball. And I got the basket in. So now I'm ahead two nothing, right? Uh, I got the ball. Now here, now, now he's really, he's taking me in. Now he was a lot taller than I am, a lot bigger than I am. A lot more. Some and short he was an NBA Jewish player, white sure, kid Jewish coming white and beating kid me. Like, like, you know, like what kind of chutzpahs? And the guys are all watching and some of the NBA players are watching, you know. And I used to have very, I had a pair of basketball glasses because I had glasses and and I had them on my face. And, um, and then I had the next shot, and he was taking me very, very well, and I missed a shot. He got the rebound, and he came out. And then he did what I would call a, a, a dirty play, okay? And he came in, and he took his elbow, and he smashed it into my face, you know what I mean, to give me a good zets, broke my glasses, and uh, and he went in, and he got the basket. And um, by that time already, I was bleeding a little bit, and everyone was watching, and even the coach came over, and he said, no, you want to continue? You know, you want to continue, like, you know, Said, yeah, I'm ready to go, but the, everyone stopped it and this and that. So I ended up beating an NBA player two to one. This was my my fleeting moment of fame, so to speak. And um, so, if there would be, you know, <laughs> smartphones, it would be the day of smartphones and internet. I'm sure, like it would go it viral. Gone, it would have gone. It would have gone viral. So now it's going viral only. Yeah, on this, now it's going viral on now, this yeah. particular <laughs> thing. So, so 
what, what do I say? What say for that? That's the bragging rights story. That has nothing, nothing to do with. But as a young boy, so as I said, when I was a young, when I went away to yeshiva, I went to learn in yeshiva in New York and Staten Island. So I was told that there was a basketball court. And now that entire summer, I was in Camp Aguda. Many of me, I was a good player and I played, you know, I played against the bigger guys. Now I come to New York and they had a basketball court in the back garage of the yeshiva, which is like a house, but there was no basketball. Can you imagine? It's what's called the Gemara says, you know what I mean? It's like you give a person, like you're making fun of him. And I was used to playing ball hours and hours a day the summer before. Now I have no basketball, no even being a star, you couldn't play. And the New York kids, they were some players, but no one had brought a basketball. The yeshiva didn't supply a basketball, not because necessarily they were they had a we had a basket, but no one thought about it. You know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't on Rav Moshe Feinstein and Yibam Chaim to Rav Feinstein's list. You have to have a basketball. A bacher brings a boy, he brings a ball, and I was literally going out of my mind. And to make a long story short, uh, I was um, I told my mother I said. I'm going to go crazy here unless I get a basketball. Had a basketball at home. So she said, you know what? Uh, we knew that Reb David Kronglis, that's all, Meshkich of the yeshiva, his son Ezra was together with me in the yeshiva. He was a little older than I am. And Reb David was coming up to the yeshiva like two days later. And he was going to, we were going to bring, send a suitcase, a duffel bag with a lot of things. And he was coming to visit the yeshiva and he was coming to speak in the yeshiva. And my mother said she's going to put in the, uh, She'll put in the basketball. So then I was waiting. Almost a couple of days later, David showed up and all the rabbin came in. It was a big Kabbalah's Panim. All the rabbin were there. And I went um, to visit. I went out to greet David. David saw me and he knew that there was, he didn't know there was a basketball inside, but he knew there was a duffel bag. He said, you be sure? Then the duffel bag. Then the duffel bag. I went and I took the duffel bag up. I ran upstairs to my friends and I pulled out the basketball. It was the first thing to get that leather ball into my hands and my mother had sent cookies and she sent some clippings from the from the sports page because she knew that I was enamored with the, the sports and I gave out some cookies to my friends and I said to the guys this I was 13 years old I said come let's go play ball you know I didn't think about you know there's going to be a Kabbalah's Pandem and everything else and we started running down like little kids running down the stairs I remember we ran out and then this was an old house in Staten Island and there was a big gigantic wooden porch there's a famous Misa, which I always I remember till today. I I was um, running outside, and all of a sudden, my friend saw that David was coming up with the Rashiva and the Rabbeim. So they decided to, he's holding the ball. We'll leave him holding the ball. They stopped at the door, and I come out the front, and I'm holding the ball in my hand. So what happens when you have you have all the Rabbeim, your David, a Gadol Yisrael, and you're holding the ball in your hand? So I decided so I wasn't respectful. So I took the ball and put it behind my back as if, you know, I'm going to hide it or something like that. But oh, yeah, that, was, that was my reaction. And then an episode took place which resonates in my mind until today. All of a sudden, the ball fell out of my hands. And it was a wooden porch. So the ball went on the porch and it went like this, boing, 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 boing. Like the loudest boing, boing, boing you ever heard. I remember I just described in the book that it was like the birds stopped chirping, everything was silent. The ball like just slow went, motion, slow motion, boing, boing. That means my plan of hiding the ball now became the biggest. And what happened was it was a very funny scene to anyone that saw it. So the rebellion, everyone started laughing. How did I feel as a child, as a young boy? I felt embarrassed. The only person that didn't laugh was her daughter. 
Immediately, he said, Yeshua gained them the ball and gave spill ball. He immediately said, he saw what happened. He saw that I was embarrassed. But he was able to control himself because he was a Baal Muslim. He said, go quickly get the ball and go play ball. And it was a great lesson for me. It was like, you know, your kid, first of all, it stopped the embarrassment. I learned a lot of lessons for that thing. I learned what embarrassment is. A little bit of a of a kavana, what, what embarrassment, to be embarrassed. And then I learned what it is for someone to save you from embarrassment. And then the third thing is, which is that you're, you're a kid, go play ball. That's a famous expression of miracle. Play ball. Okay. So when you're, when you, when you're, when you're a, a child, or you could say a, a, an adult as well, playing ball, if it's used properly, could be an amazing, amazing thing. There were a lot of great Rosh Hashivas, Gedolim in America, who were ball players. Rabbi Scheinberg, that's all, was known as a young boy. They called him Lefty Scheinberg. Lefty Scheinberg. They say he was a great ball player. I didn't see him play. I only saw him learning. But he was known in the youth. He played ball with Lefty Scheinberg. And there's a famous story, which I heard from him, and many, many people have recounted the story, that he said over that he became maybe 70 or 80. He said he always used to, because he was a New York Yankee fan. He grew up, New York Yankees, Babe Ruth, you know, the Gedailim, the Gedailim, so to speak. And... And uh, but what did he do? He ended up becoming Rav Chaim Pinchasheimber, going to the mirror in Europe, becoming the great Talmud Chacham, the great Masmid. But he said, no matter what, he always said when it came September, he always said, "Avuzan in my Yankees, where are my Yankees holding in this?" Because that's like around the time of the World Series or something like that. And then he said he finally got to the point. He said he made a either he made a kiddush or something like that, that he was able to to extract himself that connection to sports. He said, that's how much the Girsa Diankasa was a better, what's called in the mother's milk. Sports was such a part of it. Even Rav Scheinberg himself had a point for many, many years. We always have to, that didn't stop him from sitting and learning and this and that. But he always had that geschmack. Where are the Yankees holding? Finally got to the point where what? He was able to say, I get rid of it. That was really, that was really you know, I was able to get rid of the that inclination that that's something which really has val- far-reaching value and far-reaching, but doesn't compare to the Torah. I had a Rebbe, um, a Tappic, my eighth-grade Rebbe. He was a Kleisenberger Chassid. He was a tall, wonderful, wonderful Rebbe. And when we were kids in the eighth grade, he was come out to play ball with us, and he could hit the ball a mile. So they say that he had a, a a contract to play for one of the one of the. Uh, Ma- uh, major league baseball teams, but he became a Kleisenberger Chassid and he turned it down. Rebleib Hyman, great Talmud from Rabbi Aaron Cutler, also born and bred in Baltimore, Rashiva in Yeshiva in Boston, later on a Rav in Yerushalayim, and a, a great, great Talmud Chacham. Supposedly they say he was an unbelievable baseball player and he was also given a contract by the Red Sox. But Shabbos, they play on Shabbos. They offered him a lot of money in the, those days, and he turned it down. So, you know, I once had, I heard that one of the great reshivas in America, Reb Simcha Shustel, great reshiva from, from Stanford, I think. Yeah, I heard it was once in the car, and he um, and he was he had gone to like a few chasnas and maybe some shiurim, and he was with his grandchildren. They were driving him, and all of a sudden he... Uh, 
he like put his hands back and he did like he stretched and he said, Oh, seventh inning stretch, seventh, seventh inning stretch, said seventh inning stretch. So it's eight o'clock who were like lake winners and like they go to brisk, this and that. They don't know from such things. And he said, Zadie, what's seventh inning stretch? He says, ah, I'm a ratzim. You don't know seventh inning stretch. I told this over to a very, very hush of a gadol. I don't want to say who it is because he's a hush of a gadol and I didn't ask for his permission. But this hush of a gadol, I said, I, would say, so he, I, got, he, I got him to laugh. He said, then he says, he says, remind me, remind me, your bishop, remind me, what's seventh inning stretch? What's the seventh inning stretch? So it's interesting how these great rabbis, they had a connection to sports, and they, and and you see that the the, the message of Rav said, "Gay spill ball, go play ball," and um, and that's a, these are great great stories because it shows that the they were part of the society, so to speak, and there was a value and 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 and, and there could be great things that a person can do with it. A person can make a Kiddush Hashem. A person can make a Kiddush Hashem anywhere. You can make a Kiddush Hashem on the sports field if you act the way you're supposed to. And it, you can make a Chilol Hashem, Chas Hashem. I think that's one of the messages that we want to give over is that, um, you know, these are some of the some of the um, elements of, when we take a look at Torah and sports, like we said at the beginning, the Torah governs the sports. and 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 each person has to know in his time and in his place how much value uh, how much time you should spend sports is a rishus it means you could use it either for good or you could use it not for good if it becomes too um, over encompassing and you're so much involved in it that it's taking away from your learning it's taking away from your davening and taking, then we know that's that's not really what the Torah wants if you use it properly you know you play a game get healthy, you learn about, uh, as we said, mentioned last week, about teamwork and coordination and everything else, then these can be great things. Just a few other great stories you hear about. Again, how you see how they gedol them, how they tempered, and they looked at things. I have a friend of mine um, who we grew up together in Baltimore, and he himself was he was a, a basketball player, par excellence. And he played... And he wasn't a Maspen when he was younger, and he, he went to local, the local yeshiva. We both went together, and he came from a very, very chashev mishpacha. His uncle was Rabdavid Pavarsky, the father of Beryl Pavarsky, and one of the Zaponovich. And it was decided that he's going to come to Yitzhak, he's going to learn in Eretz Yisrael. And when he came, he wasn't like me. He brought the basketball with him, with himself. So he had this basketball, and he ends up coming to Eretz Yisrael, and he's supposed to go to yeshiva called Torah, because there were a few friends of his that had gone there. And, but when he came a few days early before the Zman, he came to B'nai Brak in the days when there's no basketball courts in Israel, like very few, maybe, you know, you know, a few people were playing basketball in those days. But he brought a basketball. And his, at that time, his uncle, Reb David, lived in the same building with Reb Shach. David lived on top, Shach lived underneath him. So he was by his uncle before he went to the to to to, to learn in yeshiva and he, he was going crazy so he just you know he just would bounce the ball bouncing the ball Rav Shach was downstairs Rav Shach was trying to prepare to share Klali and Rav Shach had a chavrus I heard this heard this from this friend he had a chavrus and he said the chavrus he says he says Vas, he said they're, they're doing shiputzim they're, like they're doing shiputzim they're, they must be doing what's called um they're doing some hammer. They're doing some hammer on the wall. Maybe you could ask them upstairs. <laughs> they could stop hammering. 
Rav Shach didn't know what it was, but he said, he, he said the Chavrus one said, Rav Shach, Rav Shach, yes, maybe you could stop the hammering. He says, not hammering, I'm playing the basketball. And then when he went with his uncle to to, to the Bechina in Bayit Vigan, so Rav, they came, Rav Baba Pavarsky was coming, so the Rav Shiva, Rav Shlom Zalman came. So Rav Shlom Zalman asked Rav David's nephew, he said, what did you learn this year? He says, nothing. He said, what do you mean you learned nothing? He says, what'd you do? He said, I played basketball. He said, how much you played basketball? He told him 16 hours a day. Wow. 16 hours a day. He was a masmid in, in basketball. So Ibn Zalman left, and he said, we'll take you into the yeshiva. And he took him into the yeshiva, and he ended up learning, and he ended up, you know, he played basketball too. He found time to play basketball. He found Not 16 really hours guys. a day. Not 16 hours a day. So I think that, you know, this is really, I think, some great, great messages. And he and shot about, uh, you know, why he took him into the yeshiva? First of all, his uncle. His, his uncle is, was one of the great Gadolim. And I guess he saw that, you know, he was a masmid. Just right, he was a masmid in sports. Now he can be turned that, turn that kayak. Like he has a passion for he something. Has the passion for something. Put it, it. You know, everything he's got into it, you just need to, you know, give him the right passion to care about That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, I want to end off this particular episode. So, the, um, you know, I remember a certain Balabas, another story, a certain Balabas, who was a great, great, great Balabas. And I was Ochet to be at his daughter's chasna. And this person was, a, he learned in, in, in the Chashvi Yeshivas, and he was a Balabas, and he loved sports. He loved football. He loves, you know, that's what it was. You know, he loved football. So Sunday, he would, um, he would, uh, he'd have a chavrusa, and he would, uh, they would learn for a couple of hours, and then he had to watch, he had to watch his football team. He had to watch his football team, you know, the NFL play, the game, game of the week, whatever it was, he had to watch it. And he had such a strong affinity for his football team and he was a big cigar smoker. He was a big cigar smoker. And I remember that the day of his daughter's chasna, he um, he had a chavrusif maybe two hours in the morning. And then he said the game was playing early. He's going to watch at least the first half. <laughs> and he had a cigar. He had a cigar playing, learning. And he had a cigar watching the first half of the game. And then he went to the chuppah. <laughs> then he went to the chuppah. So did, see, did, did he keep the, some part of the cigars for the chuppah? Or? No, I don't know if he kept it for the part of the chuppah. But I guess he missed the second half of the game. That he was most nefesh. I remember a certain Neryakov Talmud, who at his chasna, which was in Los Angeles, so in, this was pre-cell phones and everything else, so they had rooms in the hotel that were set up that, People, guys could go watch the football game. I think it was maybe the Super Bowl. I'm not sure it was the Super Bowl or not. And at the Chuppah, he had, uh, at the Chuppah, at the Chassan's dish, he was also a crazy f- football fan. So he had a portable television in front of him so you could watch the, 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 the watch what's going on. They're writing the Ksuba and everything else, and he's watching the game. At the Chuppah, during the Chuppah, they were, had people going around, the, the, the waiters were going around, get your fresh hot hot dogs, they had hot dogs and buns going on. Now, to me, it was, this was like a little bit over the top, you know, we're kind of like, you know, you had the influence of the sports, like, coming in, you have to know when, when is the right time, when is the right place. And even if you're on that level that, you know, if the your team is going to be playing 
during a game, you're going to have to still have to watch it. So make sure not to get married on the day make, your team is that's playing. Right, like, that's, and, right, that's, yeah. right, that's right. Just make it, make it the next day. Like, just don't put yourself in the Nisayan. You uh, know, like. uh. So let's just speak about one last message, which I think is important. And as we've been saying, you know, the, you know, we say, we know, in the end of the day, what's really going to remain with us is the Torah and the Kiheim Chayenu Baruch Yomeinu. And, um, you know, we're holding my Hanukkah. It's the, you know, we have to make sure that Yavanim tried to get us Lahashkicham Torah And we always have to have that balance, you know. Is this going to be, you know, is this going to be something which is going to enhance my well-being and be I'll be able to learn better and to daven better and to do mitzvahs better? Or is it something that's going to become all-encompassing? And we know that, you know, when the, the uh, Siam Hashas happened, you know, it's been really phenomenal in the MetLife Stadium and this and that. And they, they say that the, the ushers, the policemen, they say they can't get over. They're used to what's going on in a football game. People getting drunk and getting fights drunk and, and screaming. And everything else. And then all of a sudden you have a group of 100,000 people. And they all come for the good the cause. And the way they speak and the way they thank the policemen, they thank the ushers. Yeah, there's and a famous a, picture of uh, Reb Kamenetsky thanking the few of the policemen on his way policemen. out. And then like, yeah. Right, right. And um, I think that this this should be the final answer. Final answer should be is that when the Torah governs the sports, then like we said before, we said last week, Rabbi Yaakov said that this is the Hilchas Galus. This is all part of the Hilchas Galus. Now, what will be when Mashiach will come? Okay, will there be um, a different way of doing sports? I can't tell you. That's Hilchas and Mashiach, and um, I do believe that health is always going to be important. And teamwork is always going to be important. And um, and at the same time, we should always keep in mind that uh, if you're going to play, play like a yit. I think that's the final message you want to say. Play like a, like a yit should play. And then you play ball. And at the end of the day, the Rebbe Hashem says, ah, that's also a nachas rach. Hashem, we should be zaycha to, to dance and to have all the kaychas that we use, that we put into sports, Mr. Zem, we'll put it into being Mekabal Mashiach Tzidkein Amein. Have a great evening. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.